0: The Aiglon College tradition of morning meditation began with the school's founding in 1949. John Corlett conceived of the idea as a spiritual practice that would exist beyond any particular religious ideology. It was to play a unifying role in his belief that education should shape the whole person through the balanced development of mind, body and spirit. Today this tradition retains a central place in the life of the school with its practice remaining relatively unchanged. The Aiglon meditation begins and ends in silence. Good morning, everybody. Um, I'd like to tell you the tale this morning of the first ascent of Europe's highest mountain. Uh, I hope you know its name. I wonder if you know uh, in what year that feat was achieved. Now, the last time I spoke to you, I introduced you to these weird creatures. Uh, They're dragons, mountain dragons, of course, uh, of the sort that were believed well into the 18th century to uh, inhabit mountains and guard them from us. there was one apparently that lived on the Grand Mouveron, just behind us, and, and watch out if you go to the Lac des Chavons, just beyond the Petit Chamissaire chairlift, because there was a smaller version there as well. But um, Mont Blanc, our highest mountain, 4,810 metres, um, and um, it's clear that it might well have been climbed rather earlier had it not been for this dragon nonsense. It's an interesting story, I think, not just because any first ascent requires courage and determination, um, but there's a sort of sting in the tail with this one. Um, I think there's a cautionary tale um, involving the way that media is manipulated. You'll see what I mean as, as I go on, because this is also the tale of two statues. Let me introduce you to the cast. Try and hold four names uh, in mind. Uh, There are two Swiss involved. Um, The first one is the person I'm going to call the sponsor of this project. Uh, This is um, the aristocratic and rich uh, de Saussure. He was a Genevan lawyer, uh, but also a mountain enthusiast. Slightly Feeble of disposition himself. He didn't actually believe that he could climb Mont Blanc But he was willing to put up some cash for anyone who actually managed it. So in 1760 uh, He let it be known in the Chamonix Valley that anybody who made it to the top would actually win a cash prize The other Swiss involved is the one I've dubbed the media man Very interesting chap, Bourri. He was the, uh, the singing presenter of Geneva Cathedral, but um, he had a lot of other uh, roles in life as well. He was an artist. This is actually a, a self-portrait. Um, sorry, not a bad artist. And he loved many things, but most of all, I think, himself. Um, he was a famously uh, boastful, talkative person. But, but fortunately for us, he had a big passion for the Alps and he wrote extensively about his travels in the Alps and he had quite a, a, a wide readership of people who apparently liked his wildly exaggerated accounts of a sense of really pretty simple mountains. Um, I can perhaps give you uh, an example of his writing style. This is him going up the Brevant. and the Brevent is a, it's a pretty simple mountain in Chamonix. Uh, And he says, perplexed, shaking and trembling at every step, our danger painted itself in all its terrors. With inexpressible fatigue, I climbed from rock to rock with the caution of a reptile making its way up some bristly plant. Until suddenly I was astonished by the prodigious height at which I saw myself and realized the full extent of my ability. This is a a mountain Anfisa climbed when she was five, by the way, in Chamonix. Um, Let's move on to the real athletes. These are the guys who actually climbed the thing in 1786. And and first is is Dr. Packard. He was the doctor of Chamonix, uh, a respectable, rugged bloke. Um, He did a lot of plant collecting, so he uh, he was good at scrambling over rough terrain. And somebody from a slightly different social class, is uh, Jacques Balmain. Um He made his trade by chamois hunting, and like a lot of people in the Chamonix Valley, um, he was a rock crystal gatherer. Rock crystal quartz is the scientific name, but it was, um, it was used in costume jewelry of the time, and a lot of people used to hack this stuff out of uh, mountain faces in the Chamonix Valley. But of course he doesn't have a lot of money and this cash prize offered by de Saussure is uh, extremely attractive for someone like Balma. In the summer of 1786, Balma started getting pretty serious about uh, getting to the top of Mont Blanc. He started reconnoitering routes, um, and in June of 86, Um, he made his most adventurous reconnoiter yet. He told his wife he was going off crystal gathering and instead went up to the Grand Mulet, just here, and he's probably the first person to do an overnight bivouac at this altitude. He slept the night on a rock, and he didn't die. So, encouraged by this, um, and to prove it wasn't a fluke, he did it again a second time. On his way down, uh, Balma saw to his horror three friends, other guides from the Chamonix Valley, on their way up. Uh, He was immediately suspicious um, and and very anxious that somebody might get to the top before him. So he joined them. They went all the way back up and they got to the Dom de Goute, this lump on the right-hand side, not too far from the summit. And then they came down. So basically, Balma was ready, and all he had to do was wait for the right uh, weather window. He also needed, because of the conventions of the time, a respectable climbing partner. Um, and of course, the ideal person was Dr. Packard. So this slightly um, unusual uh, partnership between the rough-and-ready chamois shooting Uh, Balma, and the the rather distinguished Dr. Packard was made. And to cut a long story short, on the 8th of August, 1786, they made it. And they were watched, by the way, by crowds down in the uh, Chamonix Square. They were using telescopes to follow their progress. And it was clear the two men had made it to the summit. Now, it's at this point that things get a little bit strange. I know Chamonix pretty well, and I was wandering down the high street um, a year or so ago, uh, and many of you, I'm sure, know the town of Chamonix and this um, beautiful statue. It's a bronze in the central square of Chamonix. I've always liked it, and it's clearly uh, Dr. Packard, the better-dressed guy on the left, and that must be Balma pointing up at the, the Mont Blanc. Um, but on this particular day I went up and I read the inscription at the bottom of the statue and I was shocked to discover that yes, the guy po- pointing is indeed Balma, but the taller man is not Dr. Packard, it's De Saussure, the man who put the money up for this project. So, Packard was the one who got to the top, why on earth isn't his statue there? So, this is, the, this is the story and the bit about media manipulation. When the two men, in August 1786, came down from the summit of Mont Blanc, Balma went into the 18th century equivalent of a press conference. And his interviewer was, you guessed it, Marc Théodore Burit, a man who was extremely jealous of Dr. Packard, and he saw an opportunity. He fed Balmar wine and encouraged him to give a slightly modified version of events. Um, This was an article that was published and read by his um, adoring readership, and it was kind of taken as truth, despite the fact that it's clearly a pack of lies. I'm just going to give you a couple of excerpts. This is what Balmar said in his interview with Bui after the ascent. The doctor's first steps were halting and uncertain, but the sight of my alertness gave him confidence, and we went on safe and sound." Terrible. A a little bit later on, this is when they're on the Dom de Goute, Balmar said, At the Dom de Goutte, the doctor had used up all his strength. I told him to keep moving so as not to get benumbed. I went on alone saying that I'd come back very soon to find him. He answered, yes, yes. And telling him again to be sure not to stand still, I went off. I'd hardly gone 30 paces when on turning round, I saw him actually sitting down on the snow. From that time on, the route presented no great difficulty. And just finally, the last uh, awful bit of this uh, transcript from the interview, Uh, This is when he's on the summit. This is what Balma said. I had come alone with no help but my own will and my own strength. Everything around me belonged to me. I was the monarch of Mont Blanc. When Dr. P read this article, he was naturally very upset. So much so that he marched over to Balma's house and he punched him on the nose. Town scandal. And uh, for some curious reason, it it was Balmar's version of events that was believed. I think one thing that helped was that Balmar applied for the prize money. Dr. Packard didn't need need the money and he didn't bother. So a lot of the publicity was going Balmar's way. Um, The king of Sardinia, who rather confusingly, is the, he is the ruler of the kingdom of Savoie, where Mont Blanc is at this point of, of history. But the king of Sardinia decides to give Balma a ward. He's, he's allowed to call himself now Balma du Mont Blanc. Anyway, it's a media juggernaut, and there's not much that can be done, and poor Dr. Packard is gently airbrushed out of history. It's okay. I can end on a more positive note, because in the last 100 years, uh, Alpine scholars have researched the papers of Saussure and Packard, uh, and eventually it was discovered that uh, a fairly fairly grotesque manipulation of the true events had occurred in 1786. And so in 1986, that's two centuries after the first uh, summit, Another statue was erected in the Chamonix uh, central square. It doesn't have quite the prominence of the first one, but it is indeed of Dr. Packard, a man who had just as much right as Balma to call himself the monarch of Mont Blanc.